Welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, the online pastor, and whether this is your first time checking us out or you've been here for a while, we're glad you've chosen to join us today. I want to take just a moment to show you something that's really special to us here at New City. This is a look at one of our locations on Orange Day, and it celebrates new life. Several kids and students in our next-gen ministry declaring their faith through baptism. New City Online to have a chance to celebrate those baptisms with us. Because that's what New City is all about, bringing gospel renewal to our city and world. And that starts within our own homes. If you'd like to learn more about what baptism means to us and maybe take that step for yourself, you can check out our baptism interest form at newcity.us baptism. Finally, as an act of worship today, I'd like to invite you into a moment of giving right now. You know, I've heard it said before that our calendar and our checkbooks determine our priorities. I want, and I want to invite you in this moment to take time to prioritize the things that have an eternal impact. If you'd like to take that step and give today, you can do so at newcity.us give. Now let's continue to worship together. Darkness tries to hide 
Jesus, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. You are the light in my darkness, God. In every circumstance, in any situation, God, that we find ourselves in, we can hang on to this truth that you are God. You are who you say you are. We can trust in this. We can trust in your name and who you are. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a story Jesus told. It comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older brother, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which one of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained this meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. Well, tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe in him and repent of all your sins. You know, sometimes a question is so much more powerful than a statement. If you think about it, when someone asks a question, it requires you to reveal what's in your heart, what's in your mind. You could listen to someone just make statements and talk and sort of hide. But when a question is asked, it, it requires someone to really think and respond. And our parable today begins with a really great question that Jesus asked. He asked, what do you think to a group of people that are listening to him? And it requires them to respond and reveal what's in their heart and what's in their minds. The story is found in Matthew chapter 21. We've been walking through the gospel of Matthew and the stories that Jesus told. And the story today is the parable of the two sons. So if you have a copy of the scriptures or you have the New City app, I want to encourage you to, to open there with me to chapter 21. And we'll be looking at verses 28 through 32 specifically in this story. But before we get there, and as you're turning there in your Bibles, let me give a little bit of background, like what's happening in the story, because it's super important as we get to this series of parables that we understand what's going on in chapter 21 as we enter into this section of Matthew, because there's five major movements or sections in the Gospel of Matthew that kind of frame up Jesus's ministry. And in chapter 21, the chapter that we're in today, we're entering into the fourth major section of the teachings and the ministry of Jesus. And so up, up until now, Jesus has spent most of his ministry and his life outside of Jerusalem. But you'll notice as you're getting to chapter 21 that it begins with Jesus walking in and entering into Jerusalem. And in this way, like all of Jesus's ministry, the three plus years, the volume is getting turned up here as we enter into this fourth major section that begins in Matthew chapter 21. And, and really this, this section could, could be kind of titled, if you're taking notes, the rejection of the king. 
So in all of these stories, and many of them, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God and helping people to, to enter into the kingdom of God and understand his heart and the heart of the kingdom. And remember, we've talked about how parallel uh, parables kind of parallel our lives. And so these stories have been ways that Jesus has been inviting people to understand his heart and understand the kingdom. And now as we get into this fourth section that begins in Matthew 21, we're going to see the religious leaders just overtly rejecting Jesus as king and, and rejecting his authority. And I think what's really interesting is that the first 20 chapters of the Gospel of Matthew are devoted to almost three years of Jesus's life and ministry. And as we enter into chapter 21 and Jesus comes into Jerusalem, these last eight chapters, 30% of the gospel of Matthew are spent on this final week, this holy week uh, of Jesus. And, and that shows the, the significance of what's going on here during this holy week. So as Jesus uh, walks from Galilee to Jerusalem and enters into Jerusalem, um, just again by way of context, there's probably upwards of two million people that are in and around Jerusalem. The city has swelled because it's Passover week and people, uh, uh, Jewish pilgrims from all over have come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And you know the Bible says that Jesus went up to Jerusalem and actually, People from all around, when they're walking to Jerusalem for Passover, for any of the, the feast, they were walking up physically because Jerusalem is 3,000 feet above sea level. Now, specifically, uh, the scripture says that Jesus and his disciples are coming uh, from Galilee, which was in the northern part of Israel. And Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. So you can do the math there. It's almost a 4,000 foot ascent to Jerusalem as they're walking up to Jerusalem. And I think what's really neat about this is every you know physical step that Jesus and his disciples are taking is actually a, you know a, a metaphor for the step that they're that, that they're taking and Jesus specifically is taking closer uh, towards his purpose. So I brought a map here for you to just kind of enter into the story uh, in your mind's eye, um, you know, as we come into chapter 21 and what's happening, Jesus and his disciples have left the region of Galilee and they're walking and you can read the whole story of things that are happening along the way. And then when we get to chapter 21 here that begins our fourth section, they're entering into Jerusalem. And the thing I, I, I love about this image, you know, they're, they're probably singing the songs of ascent uh, which were 15 psalms that are included uh, in the book of Psalms. And, and when people would walk up to Jerusalem, they would sing them to prepare their hearts for you know, what they were going to experience in the, in the holy city. And probably, you know, if you want to think about it like a road trip, that's what's on the radio as they're singing the songs of ascent on their way up to Jerusalem. And little do they know, this is amazing to think about it. Again, just the background and context of what's happening today in our story. Little do those uh, pilgrims who are walking with Jesus know that he is, is the Passover lamb. You know, as, as John the Baptist said, he's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of all the world. And as they're walking to Jerusalem, as they're going up to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, Jesus is going to fulfill the Passover. He's going to be the Passover lamb for, 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 all, for all time to, to finish the sacrifice of Jesus on behalf of his people. And, and, and he's, he's leading a new exodus, if you will, um, out of spiritual bondage. And I, I love this image. If, are you there with me? as they're walking up to Jerusalem, that Jesus is moving with, with two things specifically. And I think this is so applicable to our lives as we follow Jesus, that he's moving with purpose and he's moving with people. 
in his final journey up to Jerusalem and the crescendo of his ministry, the, the redemption of all humanity, of you and of me, as he walks into this, this holy week and begins uh, this section of his ministry, he's moving with purpose and he's moving with people. You know, I wonder um, if you're moving with purpose in your life today. Wherever you might be watching this, if you're, if you're moving with a purpose and, and, and ascending towards God uh, in the arc of, of your life, if, if you're walking closer uh, to God and his purposes that he has for you. And I, and I wonder if you're moving with people because part of God's purposes are always going to be going to be found in community and journeying with other people. I mean, you can follow the will of God, but it's never meant to be done in isolation. And and I love uh, as as we think about this image of Jesus walking with this group of people to Jerusalem that he he has his you know the the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke that he that he set his face towards Jerusalem, that he pointed his nose towards his purpose, if you will that he began to walk towards his purpose and his life. And, and I wonder if we're doing that, if we've kind of set our face towards God's purposes. And if we're, if we're doing that and sharing that with other people, whether it's in your family, your children, your coworkers, your neighbors, uh, just a group of people that you can not only uh, follow God and his purposes in your life, but you can share that with them. He moved with purpose and he moved with people all throughout his life. And, you know, I know all of us wrestle with that, you know, proverbial question, what is, what is God's will for my life? You know, what on earth am I, am I here for? And I think just real quickly before we jump into the story that God's will for your life, for my life, is always found at the intersection somewhere of his purposes and his people. That, that as we set our face towards Jerusalem, if you will, as we set our face towards his purpose and we move with people, we find the will of God for our life. So, so as, again, back into the story, Jesus is walking with his disciples and these other pilgrims towards Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. He's going to be the Passover lamb. He's entering into his, his, his final week. And when he does, they get a few miles out from Jerusalem. Do you remember this? And he, he tells a couple of his disciples, I want you to go and find a colt for me. You're going to find him tied and bring him to me. Now, was Jesus just, you know, spent? He couldn't walk anymore? No. He did this to fulfill a prophecy in Isaiah um, and in Zechariah that he would enter into Jerusalem on a colt. And so he does that. And, and, and as, he, um, as he sends his disciples, he says, if anybody asks you anything, um, tell them that the Lord requires them, that the Lord needs them. And with, with this, this little statement in Matthew 21, verse 3, you know, Jesus declares his authority over all of creation. Now, remember I said this fourth section that we're covering the next couple of weeks and chapters 21 and 22 is the rejection of Jesus's authority. It's the rejection of Jesus as King and Messiah. And, and his very entrance is a public display that he is the promised Messiah that the Hebrew Testament uh, declared. And he, in a, in a very overt way, is showing people that he is uh, who, who he says he's been, that John the Baptist prepared the way for him, that he is the promised Messiah, that he does have the authority, that he is the King. Tell the daughter of Zion, verse 5 says, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and seated on a donkey. Did you know that this is the only time uh, in verse 21 here, or chapter 21, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, 
riding on a donkey. You know, people, you remember, they're putting palm branches before him as a sign of his kingship and his authority, and they're, they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. This is the only time, did you know this, that Jesus organizes a public demonstration. He promotes it and organizes this public demonstration of who he is. You guys know, as you've been reading through the gospel uh, in this series, that so many times Jesus is telling people, don't, don't tell people that I healed you. You know, he's, he's slipping into the crowds. He's, he's not trying to, de- um, to organize these big public demonstrations. But as he comes in, in uh, to Jerusalem here in chapter 21, he's organized this. This is absolutely intentional because he's sending a message to the religious leaders and the temple leaders who were in Jerusalem of his kingship and his authority. And this sets up, again, just by way of context, before we jump into our story today. This sets up a series of debates between the religious leaders who are rejecting Jesus and his kingship um, and, and Jesus himself and, and his words about who, about who he is. And so there's, there's three of them that we're going to cover. We're going to cover the first one today, um, and, the, and the following two weeks we'll, we'll cover the next two. But interestingly, these three debates that are uh, and stories that are contained in chapter 21 and 22, the, a way you could interpret this is the rejection of uh, God the Father in our story today with the parable of the two sons. Um, God the Son, uh, the parable of the tenant farmers that we'll cover next week in chapter 21. And then the rejection of of God the Spirit in the great banquet and the beginning part of, of chapter 22. In other words, it's the total rejection of Israel and Israel's leaders, more importantly, of God. And let's jump into the first one now. Uh, the parable of the two sons, the rejection uh, of God the Father. You, you heard the story read as we, as we began today, but let me just sort of uh, re- refresh and storytell it again. So there's, there's a father, he has uh, two sons, right? And he goes to his two kids. He goes to his two sons. He goes to the first son and, he, and, and says, hey, would you come and work in the vineyard today? And the first son, uh, look at the scripture with me. He, he rejects it. He says, no, I'm, 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 maybe he crosses his arms and he says, I'm not going to do that. But then later, something changes his mind and he goes and he works in the vineyard. I love that little, um, that little word there in verse 29, but afterward, that little phrase, but afterward. And, and we don't know how long that was. Uh, and, and, and maybe in your own life, uh, you could look at a time where you, you were rejecting God, but afterward you said yes to God. Um, and again, I, I love that it's not defined because, you know, that's a different time for, for, for many of us where we often, you know, we walked away from God or we rejected God or maybe we didn't pay attention to God. But afterwards, something grabbed our hearts and we, and we changed. And that's the first son. So father goes to his son. He says no, but afterward... Um, something softens his heart and he goes and, and works. But then there's the, there's the second son. And the second son gets even uh, trickier here. He goes, the father goes to him and says, hey, would you work in the vineyard? And the son, second son says, oh yeah, yeah. In fact, he says, yes, sir, I go. So there's a salute here. You know, there's, um, there's a respect. Yes, sir, I'm gonna do it. Absolutely, you can count on me. I'm gonna go and work. But afterward, he doesn't. He, he doesn't go and work. And then uh, Jesus ends the story right here. Just here's the two sons. The one said uh, no and then yes. And then the one said yes and then changed his mind and, and, and then said no. And that, that leads to another question. Remember we said sometimes a, a question is so much more powerful than, than a statement. And Jesus asked here, which one of these, verse 21, did the will of his father? 
which one of these did the will, did the will of his father? And remember, the, the scene is Jesus coming into Jerusalem, this big public demonstration of his authority, the fulfillment of the scriptures, and now he's right around the temple, and he's having this public, uh, this series of public debates with the religious leaders. And he tells this, this story about the two sons and the father, and he says, which one of them did the will of the father? And the religious leaders are really keen to jump in and answer the question. They say, it was the first one. You know, the first one, of course, they, he rejected his father, but then afterwards he changed his mind and, and did the will of the father. And then Jesus says these words. Pay attention to this. Look at verse 31. He says, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom before you. And of course, we know who you is in the story. It's the religious leaders the people who were meant to be out front and leading the nation of Israel towards their king, towards their Messiah, into the kingdom. And Jesus says, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, those who were the lowest class in society, who were not allowed to be anywhere even near the temple, they're entering into the kingdom before you do. These would have been like shocking statements, right? This, this is an astounding word that Jesus is giving to the religious leaders in front of everybody. Imagine this scene and what that must have felt like for the people watching. I mean, it was super uncomfortable and awkward. And you know the religious leaders had to be what? They're angry in hearing this. And here's Jesus, you know, standing on his words about his authority and the fact that, you know, these outcasts, that first, you know, the, the, those first... Uh, the first son that, that, that initially said no, now they're saying yes, and they're coming into the kingdom before you guys do. You know, C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity on, in, at the end of this chapter on pride, he says, you know, you, you could, you could be an elder or a leader or a pastor in the church and be further away from God, be further away from the heart of the kingdom than a prostitute on the corner. And then he continues by saying, but of course you should be neither, right? There's another way. But Jesus is making this statement in a very overt, clear, public way to the religious leaders that you've missed it. And people that you're telling everyone have, have missed it in life and could never be included in the kingdom, they're getting it. And they're coming in ahead of you. Now look at verse 32, the final verse here in our story. Because verse 32 sort of, it sort of explains why Jesus says verse 31. He continues by saying, for John, who's John here that he's referring to? John the Baptist, who was sort of like the, the final Old Testament prophet who kind of links the Hebrew Testament with the Gospels. He says, John came to you in, in the way of righteousness. In other words, in the way of God. And you did not what? Circle it in your Bibles or highlight it. You didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, Jesus says, they believed him. And even, this, and he goes further, right? Last sentence, even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. Jesus says, you, you, you rejected my prophet, my forerunner, the one who was preparing the way for me so that you could see that I really am who I say I am. I'm the, I'm the king, the promised Messiah. But you rejected John the Baptist and you've rejected me. You know, if you, get, if you uh, go to verse 15 
here in chapter 21, just to cross-reference really quickly. Jesus uh, cleanses the temple. Do you remember the story? He comes in, he overturns the tables. He says, you know, my house is gonna be a house of prayer. You've, you've turned it into a place of, 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 of thieves, and he um, is cleansing his temple. And, and in verse 15, uh, the, uh, Matthew records that when the chief priest and the scribes, the religious leaders, the same group that Jesus is telling this story to, when they saw, maybe look at this in your Bible, verse 15, the wonderful things that he, Jesus, did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were what? What does the word say there in verse 15? When they saw these things, when they heard, you know, out of the mouth of, of, mouths of, of children uh, praised to Jesus, they were indignant. They, they, they dug their hills in even more. They were stubborn to the things of God. You know, I wonder in your life, in my life, you know, what would it mean for us to see God working in a really clear way and to reject that? To see life change in somebody's life, that they, they went from uh, lost to found, they went from, from blind to, to having sight, and, and we, we see all that demonstrated right in front of us and we experience it and we still reject God. That, 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 that's what's happening here. Uh, just by the way, like the greatest evidence for the existence of God, for his authority, for his kingship in our lives, is a changed life, a changed heart, a changed way. You know, the word repentance that's used here in this story means to, to turn or to change. And the greatest, uh, let me say it a different way, like the greatest defense or apologetic that we have to, to a lost world that, that doesn't believe and in many ways has rejected the authority of Jesus is our own changed lives. And we can make a lot of statements, we can do a lot of religious activities, but when people see that we're living out what we really believe, that makes the difference. And Jesus says, guys, you saw this. You saw tax collectors. You know, Matthew himself was a tax collector. He's writing about himself here. You saw prostitutes, you saw outcasts change their way, change their life, and you still didn't believe in my authoritative word. So what does this story mean? The story, uh, the story that Jesus told, the parable of the two sons here in Matthew 21 as we, as we start this section of Jesus' final week on earth. What, what, is, what does it all mean? Well, the vineyard, if you're taking notes, represents the kingdom of God. Remember last week, we were in a vineyard. This week, we're in a vineyard. Next week in our story, we're gonna be in a vineyard. And vineyards were really important. In fact, in the scriptures, they're a metaphor for God's people and his kingdom activity. Isaiah 5 refers to God's people themselves as a vineyard. So the vineyard that is being described here is, is the very kingdom of God, being included in God's uh, family. The Father, of course, represents, as I said, uh, the first person of the Trinity, God the Father himself, and then the two sons, the first one that said no and then yes, are, they're the outcast. They're the sinners. They're the ones who at first were living their lives in a way that was very clear that they were missing God and they rejected God by the way they were living, but they repented. They changed. And what is repentance? It's, it's, it's turning our life. You know, we talked about turning our faces towards purpose. When Jesus turned his face toward Jerusalem, part of repentance for us is turning from our own purposes and our own ways and turning towards God. They, they, they changed because they believed. And true life change, 
True repentance, changing your course, changing your way, living it out, starts in your heart. It works its way from the inside out. They at first said no, but then they changed. Their hearts believed in God, and they began to live it out in their lives. But the second son, you know, what does it mean? The second son, these are the religious folks. These are, you know, another word that they're called all throughout the scriptures when Jesus confronts them is hypocrites, and they are. Look at the story. The first uh, son is living out. They're embodying what it means to repent and change and live your life for God. They're, they're, they're showing us um, you know, what that really looks like to believe in Jesus as king. But, but the second son is the hypocrite. And the hypocrite is literally to, to wear a mask. They've got a, a veneer of following God and saying yes overtly, but in their heart, in their life, they're still saying no and they're rejecting God. Tim Keller says it this way about this parable of the two sons. He says, the crucial point here is that in general, religiously observant people were offended by Jesus, but those estranged from, relig from religious and moral observance were intrigued and attracted to him. Uh, let, let me say it a different way about this story. The, the more that we do religious observances and, and all the, the practices overtly, but our hearts are secretly saying no to God, the more inoculated we become to the life-changing message of the gospel and the authority of Jesus. So you could sit in church, you could sit and do religious things outside, and people might think that you're saying yes to God, but hidden in your heart and your life, you're actually saying no. So, so what does this all mean for us? How, how, how can we apply it? Well, maybe you're in a place in your life where you're, you're like the, the, the first son. I, you know, I wonder which one you identify more with in the story. You, know, you, you might feel like you were the first where you were living your life in a season where you were saying no, but now you're beginning to say yes to God. You're changing and beginning to, to align your belief, who you believe Jesus to be with your, with your life. Or maybe you feel like you're sort of the second son, which is the, the harder message, right? That maybe you, you've said yes, and people think that you're following God overtly, but there's secret things in your heart and your life that you really are rejecting Jesus as king, that you're saying no. Maybe outside people think that you're doing all the right things, but in your finances or your time or a relationship or in your business, you're actually saying no. You know, of course, there's a third way, right? There's a gospel way. We don't have to be the first son that says no and then yes. And we don't have to be the second son that says yes, but really secretly in our hearts and our lives, we're living a double life and saying no. The gospel way that Jesus offers us today, fresh and new, is to say yes and yes. Yes, I believe, and yes, I'm going to live my life according to my belief that Jesus, you are king of my life. You do have authority over every part of my life, and I wanna live my life and align my life to that. Here's the bottom line. It comes straight from verse 32, Jesus's words to his audience and to each of us today. Such a great word, bottom line. Change your mind and believe in Jesus. Really, really simple. Change your mind and believe in Jesus. Align your life, every area of your life, with your belief in him that Jesus is king. To him alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, thank you for each and every person today. Thank you for your word um, that hits our hearts.
in a way that changes us and causes us to look to you and to know that you are king. Would you help us today to align our hearts and our lives with our belief in you and everything that we say and we do, may it be done out of our belief that Jesus, you are king. Would you help us to move with purpose? Would you help us to move with people? And we'll give you the glory for it in your name. Amen. Hey, before I let you go today, uh, I'm going to be out the next couple of weeks on a study break, just studying for our fall series, which is going to be on Daniel, working on some stuff in the church for vision, uh, having a little bit of time of refreshment with my family. But while I'm gone the next couple of weeks, I'd love to pray for you. So would you do me a favor today before uh, you leave? Would you go to newcity.us slash prayer, newcity.us slash prayer. And would you just give me a prayer request, something that I can pray for you about, pray for your family about while I'm taking a study break. I'd love to spend some dedicated time praying for you. And I'll look forward to seeing you really soon. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Never stop working, you never stop, you never stop yet. We make a miracle work, I promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We make we make a miracle work, I promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City. If you would, no matter where you are right now, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.